The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Very good morning, everybody. This is uh, Squawk Box with Steve Sedgwick and myself, Jeff Cutmore. Let's get into your headlines this hour. Oracle apparently victorious in the bidding war for TikTok's U.S. assets with a source telling CNBC ByteDance hopes a partnership with the U.S. company will help avert sanctions after rejecting Microsoft's offer. SoftBank shares jump as it agrees to sell chip designer Arm to NVIDIA for $40 billion amid reports suggesting the Japanese investing company is looking to go private. Uh, Gilead putting $21 billion on the table for Immunomedics, expanding its cancer drug lineup as the U.S. biotech company continues to develop its COVID treatment, Remdesivir. Plus, AstraZeneca restarting trials of its coronavirus vaccine candidate after a pause over safety concerns, whilst Pfizer and BioNTech increase the size and diversity of their late-stage testing. Also on Swartbox, voting gets underway in Japan's leadership election with Yoshihide Suga poised to replace the longest-serving premier, Shinzo Abe. Uh, so, a warm welcome, everybody, to this uh, Monday edition. And uh, we're finally back together in the flesh. Again? <laughs> Did we say that three weeks ago? <laughs> Was it three weeks ago? Yeah, I thought they thought we were rubbish, so we needed a bit more training. Time time just passes in this strange sort Don't of pandemic that. paradigm that we're living in. Well, as, as opposed to before the pandemic, when you and I were here for decades. Yes. How yes. are you? Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, still as, here. As long as we maintain this two metres. I don't think it's two metres anymore, is it? <laughs> is it not? Well, I know Does there's two not... metre signs around. Well, the right. director thinks it's 1.5, but I thought it right. was one metre plus. Do you understand the rules these days? Um, all I understand is shelter if you're in danger. Yes. Otherwise, social distance. But we are of a certain Otherwise, vintage wear where... a mask in the shops. But weren't we a certain vintage, dare right. I say it, above a certain key landmark? Uh-huh. Um, juxtaposed between 40 and 60 beautifully. Are we talking uh, mental or shoe size? Oh, mental. Forget <laughs> it. We're, we're, I'm, I'm about 15. But, but, it, but in terms of, aren't we like, supposed to be shielding up because think, we're an older vintage? Yes. Yes, I think we or are. Or we like gnarled old yeah. leather that, you know, it just bounces off us. Well, I think like fine wine, we're probably in better condition than most other people are at this age. So <laughs> oh, that's, that's probably anyway. still, okay. Still got some hair anyway. Yeah, well, very good morning, everybody. Anyway, uh, let's get on to some of the stories then. Oracle is reportedly set to be named as TikTok's US technology partner, according to a CNBC source. Directly familiar with the deal, the Chinese app's owner, ByteDance, will shun a full sale of its operations and algorithms while hoping the Oracle partnership satisfies the conditions of President Trump's executive order. Well, the news comes after Microsoft confirmed ByteDance rejected its bid to buy TikTok's American operations. The software giant insisted its proposal, quote, would have been good for TikTok's users while protecting national security interests. Uh, But Sam, there seems to be a fly in the ointment in this story. As I read my Reuters copy, apparently Beijing is not willing to see this critical algorithm go to a US company. So is this deal really alive or is it going to die on the vine? 
Good morning to you, Jeff. Good question. And as you really clearly pointed out there, this was a very fast moving this story this morning, but still a lot of big question marks. So as you say, ByteDance has now chosen Oracle to be TikTok's technology partner in its US operations. That is according to a person familiar with the talks who spoke to our colleagues stateside after uh, the Chinese parent company ByteDance actually rejected Microsoft's bid to snap up TikTok's US business. So these CNBC sources uh, say that ByteDance is an exclusive negotiations with Oracle in discussing a sale of a significant minority stake of TikTok to the company and that Oracle uh, would be its technology partner. So it'll be very interesting to see what shape this deal actually takes, given uh, that this does suggest now that Oracle uh, won't be uh, the outright owner of this sale, which of course we were expecting to see. And it's also very interesting because uh, Oracle has already always been uh, you know, an interesting one in this discussion, given that it doesn't have any consumer-facing social media or video platforms uh, and it doesn't have any experience in all of this. And that is very much why Microsoft was widely seen as the front-runner in all of this. Uh, but uh, Microsoft has said that it bid, its bid was not successful. It was uh, informed of the rejection by ByteDance. Of course, Microsoft was the first one to put up its hand uh, to snap up uh, TikTok's US business. But it's not clear why it was unsuccessful. But uh, interestingly, uh, when it does come to this part, partnership with Oracle. CNBC sources have also said uh, that it is thought to be in compliance with CFIUS. Now, of course, that is the committee which investigates foreign acquisitions in the US when it comes to national security risks. And so it will be very interesting to see how some of these concerns in the US are addressed when it comes to these accusations of TikTok's user data in America ending up in the hands of the Chinese government, which, of course, the company has denied. But of course, these developments, these very fast moving ones have all come as that uh, that uh, Tuesday deadline is fast uh, approaching uh, for ByteDance to divest its US operations of TikTok or face a ban in the US. But it's not clear at the moment uh, whether the US government will actually approve this proposed deal. And so the big question is, you know, will this partnership indeed pass the test given uh, Trump's, um, uh, you know, comments about uh, TikTok uh, recently? So there are still big questions here. And what this partnership will actually look like as you touched on this algorithm because we will need to see you know how this technology will in fact uh, be dealt with given that the Chinese government has now updated its uh, export controls when it comes to certain technology including the AI algorithm that TikTok actually uses to keep its users engaged on this app and interesting it does come after a Reuters report did say uh, that Beijing was opposed to this forced sale and would rather see the app actually closed down in the US as a forced sale uh, would make ByteDance and China look weak in the face of some of this US pressure. And so perhaps, you know, this move uh, is now trying to get around that ban, circumvent that ban as we are now approaching the deadline while at the same time uh, trying to satisfy uh, the Chinese government. Guys, back to you. Sam, terrific. Thank you very much indeed. But, but no one's kidding themselves that this is the end of the Trans-Pacific Rancor or this is the first mm. olive branch being carried across by a carrier pigeon, is it? I mean, this goes on and on and on. This is way bigger than 
bike dance and TikTok, and you know, one day hopefully we'll stop showing those dreadful pictures, or we'll, mm. we'll get some other stock of video. But the fact of the matter is, this is way bigger than just one small company, isn't it? Oh no, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, there are a number of other areas where um, I think we can expect tension going forward. Um, I'm surprised that we haven't seen more action around uh, facial recognition technology because this is an area I think where the U.S. feels that the Chinese technology companies may have actually have an edge at this point. And if this kind of assault on Chinese technology is perhaps about anything uh, from the American perspective or from the Trump government perspective, surely it's about slowing down the pace at which uh, Chinese technology to is give developing. give the US a chance to catch up in certain areas. Well, for instance, if like there in is 5G, that perceived gap. It's, it's the same yeah. as, I mean, Huawei I always considered was a far more significant story than this, and I think mm. it is because Huawei, dare I say it, whether you go on TikTok or not is a choice. Whether you have 5G or not probably won't be a choice mm. for a lot of devices and connectivity going forward as well. Um, but is this about the commercial side of things? Because, I mean, again, you know, there's some great copy out there as well. Miles Krupper in the uh, FT writing about this saying, well, Larry Ellison is very close and one of the few Silicon Valley CEOs who's very close to Mr. Trump as well. And this isn't the full transfer of ownership that we talked about. You said yourself in the introduction that Mm. the source code will still remain with the Chinese as well. So this doesn't alleviate those original concerns, which makes you think it was all about the money anyway. Well, it remains to be seen whether this deal actually takes place because the suggestion in the Reuters copy that I was reading this morning was that Beijing has basically said it would rather see the app closed down than being sold to an American company. So I'm not quite sure where that actually leaves us in terms of solid valuations, a solid transaction at this stage, and any technology being transferred to an American company. And quite frankly, um, there are plenty of other apps that do many of the things that this app does. How do you know? Well, I, I watch my daughters. <laughs> no, but it's true. Isn't it? I mean, yeah. my daughters are younger than your daughters, but yes. your daughters are more technologically savvy. But still, my oldest of my mm. young daughters, who are mm. is still younger than your youngest daughter, yes. um, still wants to have TikTok. And I've said, forget it. Forget it, just because of all the, the, the social media concerns, let alone, I don't care about the technology that's behind it. Um, yes. and, but as you say, there's a lot of other ones that can do the same thing. Well, so you can shoot 30-second nonsense videos on other apps, can you? Yeah, I think you can. <laughs> I think it can be done. That's amazing. Uh, but, I mean, it's, it, I, for me, this story is a watch this space yeah. because, you know, every other day we seem to get a new revelation about how the race to buy TikTok is going. But until we get clarity that Beijing is actually going to let this deal take place, then I think all of this is just talk at this stage. And until we see what happens next, it's very difficult to work out what strategically this means for any other Chinese company. And we have an election in November and how the president acts on all these issues will be dictated by the polling numbers. Whether he thinks showing the olive branch or actually being tough on Chinese is going to get the most votes. Now, the director just told me to pick up camera four, but I've got a bad back, so I'll just read the words. Uh, SoftBank is trading higher after the technology conglomerate agreed to... Is it a technology conglomerate? I've lost track what SoftBank is. Is it a hedge fund? Oh, I think it's a little bit of It's a lovely bit. I mean, okay, I'll come to this next. Yeah. After the conglomerate of some description agreed to sell chip designer Arm to NVIDIA in a cash and stock deal worth $40 billion, the move sees the Japanese group become the biggest shareholder in the US company. Uh, this is a UK principal asset, by the way. The takeover is expected to be heavily scrutinised by the UK government, which actually just waved it through when it was sold four years ago. But anyway, that's another issue. Uh, given Arm's role in the defence industry, SoftBank acquired the British chip designer in 2016 for $32 billion, billion it says here, uh, in the weeks just after the Brexit vote. Now, the Arm sale comes amid reports 
Amid reports suggesting SoftBank executives have revived talks uh, to take the Japanese company private, frustrations over the group's $115 billion equity valuation have reportedly driven the discussion. SoftBank has embarked on an asset disposal program in recent months following a series of failed bets. Bets, that's an interesting word, isn't it, given what we've seen last week from the company. The Financial Times recently reported that SoftBank had taken a large number of options in major U.S. tech companies as the Masayoshi Sun-led group looks to shift its investment strategy away from private startups. Well, well, I mean, I don't know if um, the, the, the copy I was looking at uh, in the FT uh, was doing this ironically, but the second paragraph with Jim Pickard, the chief political correspondent, get involved in this one, talking about uh, built up his war chest, opens up options for the group. Fener, fener. Because let's face it, uh, this company has completely changed its uh, investment strategy mm. um, to consider, and when they talk about bets, we really are talking about bets by going long options on the upside. Well, it was interesting watching the price action on Friday at the markets, wasn't it? Because we just about saw the S&P scrape over the line. The Dow, what, what were we up? 60, 131 points. But the yep. Nasdaq was down 66 points. And the FT over the weekend also wrote extensively, uh, it's probably in your copy as well, about how SoftBank was closing out its long option positions in technology. And you begin to think, okay, uh, maybe SoftBank was actually quite important for a lot of the upside that we saw in the NASDAQ over recent weeks. The, the question that then comes to my mind is, um, has SoftBank basically walked off the field for some time to come here because in PR terms, the whole revelation about their engagement in options trading has been a bit of a PR disaster, hasn't it? And it's embarrassed the equities trading unit that I think was set up specifically to provide another arrow to the quiver. And in that copy over the weekend, it was basically suggesting that they're going to be a lot less public about the positions they take going forward. Thus, we get all this talk about whether SoftBank is going to go private now at some stage mm. because they don't quite like the white heat of exposure that's come around the options trading When people story. know your position, it's a disaster out there. You can be the biggest, what is it, the whale. I keep hearing this word, the whale. Yeah. Well, whales are quite lumbering creatures, aren't they, as well? And if one can spot a whale as well, uh, and the, the sharks can gather around it quite easily and actually, as a group, can become as big as that whale as well. So if someone knows your position in the market, that can be absolutely disastrous to try and get out of this as well. The other side of the coin, which we didn't talk much about, and I, I tried to um, uh, talk a little bit about it from our East Sussex Bureau last week as well, um, but, but is the fact that um, the, the short side of it, as well. I mean, they would have been. I mean, you talked a little bit about how pe- people had to cover as well, but the overwriters of these calls, it's, it's been a, a no-brainer strategy for so many managers or so many owners of underlying stock for so long. Mm. Oh, well, I'm not getting any income. My dividend's not that great. I know what I'll do. I'll sell some calls so that I can get some income from it as well. And lo and behold, this becomes a disastrous strategy where, as you quite rightly say, they have to buy back their calls. Mm. Uh, otherwise, they have to explain to their investors why they actually don't own the stock that they say they own uh, in their portfolio as well. Very often, you use a shorting call position to pay for your downside put position as well. But let's face it, none of them were buying their insurance because they never do. Mm. It raises interesting questions for me about what happens here with the technology stocks then through the rest of the month of September. Because as we know, it's a difficult month. We've had a lot of choppy trade here. And the question is, at these multiples that we still see on a number of these technology companies that look nosebleed-like, is there going to be much more appetite to own or buy 
or add to fresh positions at the moment, given that I think it's been a quite uncomfortable two weeks for anybody that's been in the tech space. Yeah. You know, as we, as you, as you were pointing out from your East Sussex uh, bureau, yeah. um, there's the, a bit of two-way trade now. There's a little bit of a reminder that your position no, can Jeff, can end up in about the red. These amazing companies and the technology they offer in their 21st-century COVID-proof business models. This is nothing to do with valuation. Doesn't matter what price they are. Just buy them. They're a mem- oh no, they're not a momentum trade anymore, are they? Does that mean if the momentum trade becomes the short side, they all start selling these things as aggressively as they did on the upside? What amazing. Mm. I was about to go to the wall, yeah. but there's a blimmy great wall in front of the wall. <laughs> go on. What's going on in this place? What? Are we, are we having building work? Yes, we've got the builders in. Is there something exciting happening? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Will we be around to see it? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're having some building work. That's why Jeff and I are sitting over here. Okay, I've got to look at the markets, apparently. So um, I'm not going to go to the wall because I will hit a wall before I get to the wall. Um, but I hit the wall years ago, as you know. Um, here we are. This is where we closed on Friday. And as uh, Mr. Cutmore quite rightly pointed out, the Nasdaq underperformed last week. Would you like to know the week to date moves? I'll tell you anyway. Um, we were down 4.1% on the Nasdaq. The S&P was down 25 the Dow outperformed down 1.7%. Uh, on Friday, and this will lead to your understanding of why the Dow outperformed, industrials were up 1.4%. Technology was down 0.8%, but weak to date as well. If you put an overlay, and I'll do this before we move on to US tech, an overlay of what the European markets did, and I appreciate if you were uh, in the pound as well, you had a dreadful week because that was down 3.6%. The FTSE put on 4 the DAX put on 28 and the CAC put on one4 So, is there a shift going on into industrials out of tech, into Europe, out of US? Well, we'll go over this whole tired argument again, but it appears to be something along those lines last week. Do you want to come in on this one no, before no, we go no, to tech? No, 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 you carry on. All I right, think okay. US we, technology stock. Yeah, we've had a couple. We've done all right, haven't we? Yeah. Some days you can't get a word in anyways. That's just me talking. Uh, US technology stocks, uh, look, they lost a bit of ground. There you go. But no, they're not dramatic declines, are they? Amazon giving up 1.9%. Would you like to look at the US futures? Go on, then. we'll show you them. There you go. They're up. There you go. 208 points on the Dow, 128 points on the Nasdaq. So a, a significant outperformance seen on the Nasdaq at the start of trade. Asian indices, we can have a look at these. We've got the BOJ later this week and the Bank of England and, of course, the FOMC. These will all be factors you'll look at. Uh, the Nikkei is trading up six tenths of a percent. The Shenzhen Composite, one2 higher as well. And the opening calls for European markets, small gains, aren't they? There we go. 27 points up the FTSE. The DAX up 101, the CAC called up 45 points, and the FTSE MIB up 189. I have to say all these because some people actually don't assiduously watch the program. They just listen to it when they're they're shaving or brushing their teeth or eating their cereal. Should we have an alarm or something to try and get people to rush back to the screen when we think there's something critical on the screen? Well, that's the whole three hours, isn't it? Maybe we can have that big red button put into the new desk. Well, like a reset of relations with Hillary Clinton and uh, Labour. Like remember that one? Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, members from Japan's ruling party are, are voting for their next leader and likely next prime minister. We will take you to Tokyo for the latest in the programme. Uh, plus, AstraZeneca and Oxford University resume phase three testing of their potential coronavirus vaccine after a week-long pause. Oh, have you heard about the podcast? It's amazing. It's got TikTok, it's got SoftBank, it's got Jeff Cutmore. What more do you need?
ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on cnbc.com. Welcome back, everybody. You're watching Squawk Box on CNBC. We're taking you now to Japan. These are uh, live pictures from the LDP vote uh, for a new party leader. Um, probably just worth reminding you at this point that uh, Yoshihide uh, Sugar uh, looks to be the most likely winner in this current round of voting. But, of course, you never know. Um, there may be a, a, a rival, rival candidate that, that comes up the rails here. But um, we will just continue to monitor this and uh, we will get over to Matt in a, a wee while just to get him to break down what the various strategies and policies might be that would take us forward. I mean, it's interesting uh, just doing a bit of work on uh, what the um, uh, potential uh, new Japanese leader is discussing. Um, and there was a quote from him on Sunday saying, no limit to the amount of bonds the government could issue to support the economy, and we'd potentially look to a third budget to fight the downturn. So, in effect, more of the same that we had under Prime Minister Abe. When will this end? When, when will this stunningly aggressive debt spiral end? We can issue as many bonds as we need to. The BOJ will buy as many bonds as we need, or the Japanese postal savers will buy as many bonds as necessary. Mm. When will this stunning spiral end? And Japan, as we know, we talk about Jana Japanification, Japanization. Well, it, it's, it's happened. It's things we never thought we'd see in the US and Europe on, in terms of yields and debt levels mm. and deficits. Mm. It's happened and is here. And yet these are, uh, we're another decade on from, maybe two decades on from when you and I first started saying, haven't we got a demographic time bomb here? Yeah, yeah, I mean, all of the above. Uh, 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 of course, uh, James Carville's famous words about wanting to come back as the bond market because the bond market is the one true mechanism that can frighten all governments that run excess deficits. But at the moment, the central banks have been able to buy all governments' time. And, of course, because of the depth of domestic savings in Japan, the Japanese central bank has been perhaps more able than others to dig deep. But, as you know, and as you're but pointing it's out, it's not limitless. It's tomorrow's problem. It's always yeah. tomorrow's problem until it's not. That's what I would... Yeah, one day we'll be right, but maybe we'll be very old. Um, Gilead is uh, acquiring cancer treatment developer Immunomedics for $21 billion. The offer represents a 100% premium above Immunomedics' latest closing price. Gilead is looking to boost revenues by expanding its oncology portfolio. The transaction is expected to close in the fourth quarter. 
Uh, Pfizer and BioNTech have unveiled a plan to U.S. drug authorities to expand testing of their potential coronavirus vaccine. The move will increase its participant group to 44,000 people whilst increasing the diversity of patients in the trial population. The drug makers hope to submit the drug for regulatory approval as early as next month. Uh, meanwhile, AstraZeneca and Oxford University will resume testing of their coronavirus vaccine candidate. This after trials were halted last week when a participant in the trial in the UK fell ill. Uh, Juliana, do we know any more about that participant who fell ill, whether the symptoms were to do with uh, this trial drug or actually something unrelated? Or, or, or how do we move on from this, knowing that the drug is safe to carry on in phase three? Well, what we know, Steve, is that trials have resumed in the UK following confirmation from the Medicines Health Regulatory Authority, which had carried out a review of the incident. In terms of what went wrong with that patient, AstraZeneca and the University of Oxford said they couldn't disclose any further medical information. Last week, we did hear from Astra's CEO saying that tests were ongoing with this patient to determine whether uh, this person had transverse myelitis, which is an inflammation of the spinal cord. And that was uh, a story that was circulating in newswires, circulating amongst investors. But now they've said no further information can be given due to patient confidentiality. So we do not know the diagnosis of that ill patient, and we don't know whether it was in fact connected to the vaccine. What we do know is that regulatory authorities have done a review and they have deemed it safe to continue. That's what we know. The University of Oxford came out with a statement saying that in large trials like this, it is expected that some participants will become unwell and every case must be carefully evaluated to ensure careful assessment of safety. And when this news initially broke last week, Steve, you asked the question of whether one case like this, one adverse event could be enough to derail the entire vaccine program. And what I, we understand from analysts who follow this sector very closely is that that can be the case. One adverse event can be enough to derail a vaccine program. But in this case, regulators, safety authorities believe that it is safe to continue and they are going to. So what does that mean for timeline? Well, last Thursday, the AstraZeneca CEO said a vaccine by the end of the year, uh, but by the end of this year, early next year was still possible if the trial resumed quickly. And of course, it has. So they seem to be on track. They expect to enroll up to 50,000 participants globally in these phase three trials. And they think that's going to be enough to be able to determine the safety and efficacy of the vaccine. Thank you very much indeed for that, Juliana. Right. Uh, unfortunately, in the meantime, uh, infections picking up. Yes, absolutely. The WHO has reported a record daily rise in cases, up more than 307,000 globally. The largest number of new infections come from India, the US and Brazil. France has reported a record number of new infections over the weekend. This is the government plans to ramp up testing and toughen restrictions in a number of cities. Well, Charlotte, here in the UK, we've got this new phrase, hands, face, space. And now we are restricting gatherings, gatherings to six. What are they doing in France? 
Well, that's why everybody was expecting on Friday after we had these numbers. You know, we heard from the Scientific Council last week saying that the government will have to take some tough measures in the next eight to 10 days and that they were worrying about the, the, the expansion of the virus in the country. So uh, there was a, a, the equivalent of a COBRA meeting on Friday. So this kind of uh, restricted cabinet meeting to assess uh, the health situation in France. And then it was announced that the prime minister was going to make a statement. So people expected that maybe some tough measure could be coming into place. Place. But in the end, it wasn't so. The Prime Minister uh, Jean Castex was calling really for responsibility of people, saying it's up to you, it's up to us. Uh, but then just a few measures were announced, though no big, big policy announcement, just a few adjustments here. Uh, they mentioned that an extra 2,000 agents were put in place for the, all, for the important track and trace uh, effort there. Uh, also tried to prioritize tests because while they wanted as many people to be tested, now there's a big congestion in labs. They try to uh, put a new system in place to prioritize and give access uh, to health workers in particular. And they also ask, so that's the most important bit, they ask for specific measures to the local authorities, to the préfet, which is the person that represents the state, in the regions of Bordeaux and Marseille, where there have been a really big uh, rise in the number of infections in those regions, while the overall number of positive tests is about 5.2% in all the tests taken came out positive in the country. It's close to 9% in Marseille and about 7% in Bordeaux. So some key measures are expected to be presented to the government uh, today for the specific regions where it could be included, like in the UK, restricting the number of, of people that can gather together, uh, cancelling weddings, etc. etc. So these measures should be announced uh, today. One final uh, thing that was announced this weekend is that Jean Gassex himself was in isolation because of being in contact with someone that came out positive. He's now come out of isolation after two negative tests and can get on with the, with the work this week, guys. Terrific. Charlotte, thank you so much for that. Well, we had a rotten tank, and I don't know whether you saw it. What is it? The 14th month in a row that manufacturers in Japan are pessimistic here. So um, it adds weight, I think, to the importance of this LDP vote. Members from Japan's ruling party are voting for their next leader and likely next prime minister. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.